morning, and welcome to Midpoint Wednesday. I'm Shelley Reback, your host for WMNF's Mid-Florida Midweek Mid-Morning Dose of News and Public Affairs with a Local Perspective. You are, of course, listening to WMNF 88.5 FM, Tampa Bay's only independent FM radio. It's brought to you by you because we are supported by our generous listeners just like you who keep us commercial free 24-7. If you're a regular listener of Midpoint Wednesday, you know that as a former lawyer, I love to cover legal issues in the news and in the current events, and my favorite legal issues to cover are constitutional issues. So in that regard, the DeSantis administration has been a veritable bonanza for me. Seemingly every day, he puts forward another law or policy or does something that invades our civil rights as guaranteed by the United States and Florida constitutions. So we've covered the stop woke cases. And by that, I mean stop woke in the schools, stop woke in private businesses. We've discussed the don't say gay cases. We've taken on book banning in the schools and banning social-emotional learning in math textbooks. We've discussed the death of teaching accurate history with the restrictions on critical race theory and the chilling effect on teaching generally of any matters touching on race. We've talked about the Parents' Bill of Rights, which has drafted some parents into some crazy blue-stocking crusade of scraping off safe space stickers in schools and a cruel obsession with harassing trans and non-binary kids. And of course, we've done shows focusing on abortion rights and access to abortion services. Honestly, I don't think I could have programmed the last couple of years of radio shows without DeSantis's and the Republicans' help. What would we have talked about? Today, we are going to continue along that path of looking at and talking about an array of constitutional and legal issues in some of the more interesting recent cases and events that impact Florida. And we're going to have some help from my friend, attorney, and former chair of the Florida ACLU legal panel, James Shaw. So welcome to Midpoint, James. Thanks, Shelley. Thanks for having me. James and I have some favorites that we're going to raise to start off the discussion, but if you have your own pet constitutional or legal violations that you've become aware of and you'd like us to address, you can call us at 813-239-9663. You can email me at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885, and we'll try to get you on air during the live show. So, James, one of the most recent uh, outrageous legal things that have happened in the uh, recent past has been this transfer of these Texas migrants to Martha's Vineyard by Ron DeSantis and his Florida Department of Transportation using Florida taxpayers' money. Let's start by talking about that. Yeah, there's, there's much to say about that. I, I, I think any discussion of this should start with we, we we noticed a theme where something happens where your first gut reaction is this is just morally reprehensible how could any human being want to do this to another human being and then we have to squeeze it into a legal framework to figure out exactly how what the legal terms are for how morally reprehensible it is but start with that the, yeah these, these that's are, what lawyers do isn't right. it <laughs> that's <laughs> but, that but, start with some injury some you know something that happened something that's morally reprehensible something that someone got hurt 
um, and try to fit it into some sort of legal framework. Sure, but when but the reason I say that is because I don't want to lose in the conversation that these are human beings that some of them walked across ten countries to get out of a, an oppressive socialist regime in Venezuela, only to arrive here and be flown to a remote island for a prank. And and you know these are people who who endured great suffering. These are children, um, and and. It's wrong to even think about doing this in the first place. Now, what's the legal term for the wrong thing that was done? Um, we were discussing, and, and some people think that this this does fall within the definition of kidnapping. There's a legal term that you and I were trying to remember before we got started that we decided was inveigle. Is the, the inveigle the in fraud by inveiglement? Right, is in, is the term right? In, in, inveiglement is is using a. a clever artifice to deceive somebody. So Yes, to entice them or persuade them using some false or uh, enticement. Right. So you, so kidnapping by inveiglement would be, get in my car and I'm going to take you somewhere, but I'm really taking you somewhere Want else. Want some candy, little boy? Exactly. Or something like that. That your textbook definition of, of, of a kidnapping. So these, these migrants, as far as we understand, and it's still very early that we don't have I don't think statements have been taken from everyone yet. But, but we do have we do have a lot more information today than we had the day before yesterday because three of the migrants uh, have filed a lawsuit um, in Massachusetts, a civil rights lawsuit. Um, it's uh, filed in federal court, and it alleges that DeSantis, Florida's Transportation Department secretary, and others tricked the migrants into leaving Texas by offering them McDonald's gift cards and other items to get them to board the flights and by promising them assistance and employment. And the lawsuit names five other people as defendants, including a man and a woman who are believed by the attorneys to have recruited the migrants in San Antonio to board the plane. And um, these, what, another thing that I think it's important to remember is that these immigrants were pursuing lawful, proper channels for obtaining lawful immigration status in the United States. They were not here illegally. They were asylum seekers, which is a legal process that uh, immigrants are allowed to pursue. They were paroled into this country in the San Antonio area. And, uh, you know, really they experienced the same kind of cruelty that they had uh, fled in their home co country. And uh, so they filed this lawsuit and they made allegations of um, invasions of their constitutional rights. Because one of the other things that people may not realize is that you do not need to be a citizen uh, to have constitutional rights in the United States, ostensibly. The Constitution protects everyone. And so they, they have filed this action under uh, 42, Title 42, Section 1983, which is a violation of their civil rights. And they've also alleged some state claims under the court's supplemental jurisdiction, like kidnapping, for example. Um, and they've also alleged an interesting claim about Ron DeSantis improperly using federal monies uh, to to basically conduct this prank um, because the funds that were used to transport these migrants are the interest on COVID relief funds, the use of which was restricted by statute. Right, the, the statute language, or the language was that this money was earmarked to, quote, facilitate the transport of unauthorized aliens from this state consistent with federal law. Well, 
we can start with, they weren't transported from the state. They were transported from Texas, which is a, a different state. So what authority the governor had to transport people from one state to another, neither of which was Florida, by using this money, it, 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 it was not the purpose for which it was earmarked. But the bigger issue, as you said, is these were not... Um, unauthorized aliens. These were asylum seekers. They're, they had the legal right under the Geneva Convention to come to the United States and request asylum and to stay here while their applications were processed. So this idea that these were unauthorized aliens in the first place is, is wrong, and they also weren't from the state, so he had no right to use that money for this purpose. Well, that's one of the claims in the lawsuit. And, uh, you know, one of the other really interesting things that happened yesterday was that Ron DeSantis made a speech in which he admitted, he flat out admitted that Florida was not getting these hordes of um, illegal immigrants that he was complaining about. They couldn't find enough people in Florida to conduct this kind of an operation directly out of Florida. He he said, you know, we went to the, the Pensacola area, but we couldn't find enough immigrants uh, because they're not coming here in these big groups. They're coming, I think the term he used was by onesies and twosies. That was a quote from the, the governor. They're coming by onesies and twosies. But we went to Texas and we did an investigation, he claimed, and we read their minds and knew that these people wanted to come to Florida and that's why we moved them to Martha's Vineyard. That was in his speech yesterday. It was. It's. It's an ex post facto attempt to come up with a justification for why this money could be spent for this purpose. And his argument. It's one of the worst legal arguments I've ever heard from our Harvard educated uh, governor. That and Yale, that, Harvard and Yale. Right. That, onesies that, and twosies. I, I don't. I've never heard that in a legal defense. Right. And his <laughs> argument was well by moving them from Texas to Martha's Before Vineyard. Before they came to Florida, they might have come to Florida. Right. I, I was making sure they wouldn't. Was his argument? Right. How would they? One. How would he ever imagine he would be able to prove that? That. No, it, it's an any excuse will do kind of excuse. But um, one know. of the other one of the other interesting uh, claims in this civil rights lawsuit by the migrants is a violation of their Fourth Amendment rights because their claim is that they were detained by government agents, and once you're in the air, you can't leave. Right. My understanding is that they were not told that they were going to Martha's Vineyard until they were in the air. Right. They were told that they were going to Boston, which is very different. And the reason it's different is because Martha's Vineyard is a remote island. You cannot, it's not like Davis Island where you can walk off of it. it once you are on... There is a ferry. There is a ferry, but you have to pay the the, the fare to get onto and it. And you so. can't use McDonald's gift cards to pay the ferry fee. Right. So you, they, they were essentially imprisoned on this island. They wouldn't have been imprisoned if they were flown to Boston where they were told they were being taken, but they were dropped off somewhere that they really didn't have the ability to leave of their own means once they got there. And that that was really the point I, of of the prank. You know that they they would be stuck there, and that according to you know DeSantis's um, you know claims, he he figured that the people of Martha's Vineyard, he said, and I, I quote, would quote go berserk when a horde of illegal aliens, what he called illegal aliens, of course, no one's illegal, but um, what he called illegal aliens were dropped into their midst and knowing that they weren't prepared to receive a big group of people like that. Which if he had thought it through a minute, realizing that dropping off uh, a, a bunch of people who need lawyers in an island full of lawyers maybe wasn't 
the, right. the brilliant move. But um, Right. The but, home of Alan Dershowitz and probably more lawyers per square mile, right. uh, per square acre, uh, but, than anywhere else in the country. But he supposed that, that they would have that reaction, that they would say, you know, get these people off of our, our pristine island. And that's not the reaction they had at all. They were very welcoming. They gave them food. They created temporary shelter, tried to make them comfortable and tried to make arrangements for them. What's funny is that the the right-wing media pretended as if they had had the, the reaction that the governor thought that they would have. So yeah. that, that's being lost, I think. On, on Another fraud. Um, so, okay, we're talking about a lot of these um, incidents of uh, legal issues that have arisen recently. And if you have your favorite legal issue you want to discuss, give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 813-433-0885. Right now, we've been talking Talking about the um, inveiglement, I'm going to use that word as much as possible now that I know it, Uh, the inveiglement of the uh, Venezuelan migrants um, transported to Martha's Vineyard. And we do have a call from uh, Fran in Largo. Let me see if I can get Fran on the air. Okay, Fran, you're on the air. Are you with us? Uh, Yes, I am. Uh, no, the more I hear about uh, this, uh, the business with the Venezuelans, uh, the angrier I get about it. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, my uh, grandparents were immigrants here, Ireland, from Ireland and Scotland. And uh, I, I, I don't think they were treated that way. They came to New York, I, I guess through Ellis Island or whatever. But uh, And this was like the the turn of the last century. But uh, um, Ron DeSantis, he just, he just pushes the envelope right to the edge. Uh, to, and when I heard about them being handed the $10 McDonald's uh, gift cards, oh, that, that really uh, gets my blood boiling. Now, I, I know uh, people, though, that listen to Fox News. I don't listen to it, so I don't know what they're saying. And they think this is just great. They think he's heroic for doing this. I, I'm just curious to know what Fox News is saying about this whole horrible, horrible thing. And I'll get off and, and let you say what you need to say. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to WMNF, Fran. We appreciate you. Uh, we have a call also from Mike in Sarasota. Mike, you're on the line. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. With all due respect, I believe your guest is sponsoring a lie because within 72 hours, those immigrants were ferried, literally ferried off the island to the mainland. And the New York Post had a great headline to describe it. It It's three simple words. Liberals deport migrants. Well, you know, they weren't actually deported, meaning sent back to their home country. They were transferred to a, a military base where they had room for them and food for them and services for them, where they could be uh, visited by their lawyers and, uh, you know, receive social services and whatever else they needed to, you know, get established in the United States. One of the big problems um, that uh, attended this transfer of the migrants to Martha's Vineyard was that they had been paroled into this country. And when they're paroled into this country, they receive um, paperwork from ICE and from the immigration services that tells them where they have to report 
uh, periodically as part of their parole. It's like, you know, criminal justice parole. You have to report to your, your immigration officer just like people have to report to their probation or parole officer. And if they don't report... Um, as required, then they can be deported. And so these are people that are trying to establish themselves legally in this country and do what they need to do uh, to comply with the immigration requirements. And by removing them from the San Antonio area where they crossed the border, they also removed them from their ability to, to report as required to their uh, immigration offices. And so one of the reasons they had to be moved is because there is no immigration authority in Martha's Vineyard for them to report to. And they needed access to lawyers to be able to transfer their reporting requirement to places uh, where they have immigration offices like Boston. And and they never wanted to go to Martha's Vineyard. It's one thing to... to to, to say deport uh, migrants, deporting is where you're trying to be somewhere and that place is, is kicking you out. They never wanted to be there in the first place. And then once there, they were essentially prisoners there because they couldn't afford to pay the ferry to, to leave the island. They had to rely on the good graces of strangers to, to get them back to where they were told that they were going in the first place. So to, to, to giggle and say, ha-ha, looks like they were deported and the liberals aren't as liberal as they say that they are, it, it's it's kind of a... A cheap. That's the kind of thing for AM radio. This is FM radio. <laughs> what, whatever your, your your parsing of semantics is, those illegal aliens arrived extra. Well, well, hold up. First of all, they weren't illegal. You understand that? And they weren't illegal, Mike. They were asylees. That's not an illegal status. That's a legal status. Very quickly. All right. So. That's a legal status. They're not illegal aliens, like right. the Post and, wants to call and them. And they, they were not ejected from the island. They, they never wanted to be on the island in the first place. They were they were taken back to the mainland. I, I don't think anyone was kicked off. I think they wanted to leave because they never wanted to be taken there. And they had to report in order to be consistent with their status. And there's no indication that they cannot still report. Well, they couldn't report in Martha's Vineyard because there's no immigration authorities there. So they had to be removed from Martha's Vineyard to a place where they could, you know, take a bus or a, or a subway or, or, you know, some kind of transit to an immigration office. And certainly Ron DeSantis did not prevent them from ever leaving the island. He put them on the island, but very quickly the residents of the island got rid of them. They didn't get rid of them. They they facilitated their ability to be able to comply with their immigration requirements. Mike, Mike it kind of sounds like you like this narrative and you're not going to get talked out of it. So thank you well, for calling. I think that the, the, what, what you're ignoring here is the, the overall point, which is that thousands, actually millions of people are swarming across the border extra legally. And the burden is being felt by the southern states. Well, did you hear Ron DeSantis' speech yesterday? He made a speech yesterday in which he admitted that there were no hordes of immigrants coming to Florida. They were going elsewhere, and therefore he had to go to Texas to find enough immigrants to, to make his stunt work. He said that they're coming to Florida in onesies and twosies. So there, it's just a false narrative to suggest that there are hordes of quote, illegal immigrants coming to Florida. It's just not happening. Well, whether it's millions coming to Florida or not, the point remains they're coming across the U.S. border. And as U.S. citizens, we need to protect our population 
and and many other things. There's a reason we have laws against illegal immigration. Well, and nobody's disagreeing that there's a problem with the immigration uh, process and that the, um, we do need immigration reform. Nobody's disagreeing with you about that. I think the point is that this is not the way to handle it. So why not why not enforce the laws that we do have, which pre- prevent people from illegally immigrating across the Texas border? But these that people were not illegal. That's the difference. Letting thousands and thousands of people come across uh, while they wink, and so and, and we all know that. And so this is a way of saying, okay, if you want to wink and make a mockery of the immigration laws, well, maybe you should feel some of the pain too. Okay, Mike, but these people were not illegal. They were legal. They were conducting themselves legally in coming across the border. So your argument really doesn't hold up as to these people. But thank you for calling. We appreciate your perspective. Thanks a lot. Thanks for taking my call. I have uh, John from Newport Ritchie on the air. John, you have some comments about this? Can't hear you, John. John? Are you with us? All right. Well, we can't hear you, John, so I'm going to drop you. Uh, Jim from Tampa, you're on the air. Hey, good morning. Uh, yes, they, they did enter the country illegally. If they were seeking asylum, then they, by law, they were supposed to claim asylum at the first border they crossed, which would have probably been Mexico. They entered our country illegally. No, that's not the law. Are you a lawyer? Are you an immigration lawyer? Because that's not the law. The process then for admitting them gave them the parole status. But when they waded across that river, that was an illegal act. Okay, that's not the law. And uh, we need to be clear about putting out false information. That's not the law. You, you can present yourself at a border station in the United States and claim asylum and be a legal, lawful immigrant. That's the law. So I don't want to put out any false information here, and I need to correct you. But thanks for calling. Uh, we have Steve in Tampa on the line. Uh, I guess this topic has provoked a lot of uh, people's interests. Um, let's see what Steve in Tampa has to say. Steve, you're on the air. Hey, good morning. Great show. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. It so happens I'm a lawyer, and I'm not going to speak to any legal aspects of this at all because I'm not an immigration lawyer. I don't know whether some of your previous callers who know so much about the law, I don't know whether they're lawyers or immigration lawyers, but what stopped me dead in my tracks, I didn't have to think about the law. Can you imagine if you were stuck due to COVID or something else, a natural disaster in a foreign country, and somebody came along and told your spouse or significant other and and children, here, we're sending you to a better place. And it was all a stunt, yeah. Frank, a, a frat boy locker room sort of thing, which is just he's just one standard deviation better than Donald Trump, who bragged about things that we can't talk about on the radio. But he's you know he's of the same ilk, and I mean this was just tragic. I mean, I'm just wondering what his wife says about this, or his pastor, or priest, or... Yeah, she was an immigrant. Melania was an immigrant. In in Florida, one in five Floridians is an immigrant. So it's... I I don't understand the supposition that that cruelty to immigrants is something that's going to play in Florida, but he seems to have calculated that he thinks it will. Well, I did notice that 
one or two callers traipse very quickly from the we have to protect Florida argument to, well, we have to protect the U.S. borders. I think what we need to do as citizens is protect the Constitution and protect every single human being that is in the United States, regardless of what we think of their origin or their story. And if we don't do that, then let's stop all the platitudes about humanity and justice and this, that, and the other thing. It's everybody out for themselves. Well, that is one of the claims in the in the lawsuit that the immigrants filed is that it was a violation of their rights um, of equal protection because, you know, you're not supposed to be treated differently based on your uh, race, nationality, or country of origin under the Constitution anyway. Our Constitution is supposed to protect everyone. Right. If, if well, I promise not to be a lawyer, but this is brought under 42 U.S.C. 1983 and for the folks that know so much about the law you ought to sit down and read it and you ought to read a few cases or, you know you don't have to do that all you have to do is think <laughs> if i lie to somebody and put them on an airplane with their children what kind of a person am i there's, there's several ironic legal issues too involved in this one of them is that uh inadvertently this might qualify everybody on the airplanes for a u visa which is a visa that, yes. that a a crime victim gets who's cooperating with law enforcement. Otherwise, immigrants who were victims of crimes would be reluctant to, to report them sure. and they'd be these report perfect them. victims. So, That's fabulous. So right. the, so, and, uh, another right, interesting guys, thing... I've talked too much. Get on to the next call. <laughs> well, thank you for calling, Steve. Appreciate your comments. But, but, yeah, that U-Visa thing is really interesting because the Massachusetts... Uh, uh, U.S. attorney and the, I guess, state attorney there for that area of Martha's Vineyard have opened investigations that even the fact that the investigations are open, whether they go anywhere or not, could potentially qualify these immigrants for U visas. What's also ironic is that the governor's ink is still drying on SB 1808, which was a bill that, among other things, required that any common carrier, any airline or, or, or train or bus operator has to sign a certification saying that it has never transported um, undocumented immigrants from any place in the country to any place else in the country as a condition of entering into any government contract. So whoever this carrier is that he... he <laughs> yes, or, this Vertool or whatever, the, the company uh, has, a, has a base in Florida too. And apparently the plane touched down momentarily... Uh, in the Panhandle area, just to have a you know a touch a touchstone in Florida, so he could claim that uh, he could use these funds for moving them around. But by doing so, he potentially violated that that brand new law, f or or induced that company to violate. Right, that law that, that he law. wanted and signed. Yeah, so. it's crazy. All right, we've got John back in Newport, Richie. John, you're on the air. Can you hear me now? I can hear you perfectly now. Well, well, thanks for the show. I have a few questions. First of all, I just would like to ask all those good Christians, what would Jesus do with these people? Second of all, I didn't hear your, your comment about the, uh, the legality of them, but my question was, did they come to a legal point of entry, knock on the door and ask for asylum, or did they come through some other non-legal point of entry and then surrender themselves and ask for asylum. Do you know that? I don't know that, but all the reporting has uh, revealed that they were all legal asylees, that they had okay. been paroled in this country, and they had uh, appointments to report at various well, the, immigration offices. The other question was, I didn't understand the patrol, uh, 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 parole, but 
let me go back. Let me just step back a second because I know the conservative argument is going to be these are illegal entries. Period. These are illegal uh, immigrants here in the country. And you, you've read the you read the thing, and I missed it because I was calling back. But I know that if you come to our door, knock on it, come through a legal point of entry, you're legal all the way in this country. There's there's no argument on that. But the conservatives would argue that even though you came through a, a non-legal point of entry and you asked for asylum, which is a legal process to get into this country, you crossed the border illegally. So they would argue that that's, that's still illegal. Now, I know that's cut and fine here, and that's Well, I think that one of the issues that the conservatives are are trying to raise in this context is that during the Trump presidency, they uh, promulgated a a rule uh, about remain in Mexico, that if you wanted to seek asylum in the United States, you had to petition uh, in Mexico and remain in Mexico while your petition was pending and not cross into the United States um, and then claim asylum. You had to stay in Mexico. And I, I think there's a push to revitalize that remain well, that, in Mexico. That brings, up, that brings up a question to, isn't that a violation of like Geneva law that says you can't really stop a person from coming to someplace and uh, claim asylum? I don't, I don't know that. Cause I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know that right. the Trump administration was I able to... Yeah, I know they did that. Yeah, yeah they did that. They got away with it. No one challenged it because I thought, well, it, you you, you got to knock on the door and ask for asylum. I don't think you can actually ask for asylum when you're in another country. That's, that's what I thought how asylum worked. <laughs> I thought asylum is, uh, I'm in your country, now I need a, asylum and not like... Right I'm over in Bosnia, and I need asylum. Right, I come to your country. Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make sense the other way. But thank you for right. calling, John. Okay. Bye. Appreciate your comments. So, uh, well, there's going to be a lot to unpack on that um, on this issue. Um, supposedly, DeSantis is very pleased that he punked uh, President Biden. He claims again because there was all this. Uh, you know, sort of Twitter-sponsored hype about the fact that this same company had been paid uh, a, a large amount of money to transport people from Texas to Rehoboth, Delaware, near President Biden's home. And supposedly, they had filed a flight plan to to do that, and it was supposed to happen yesterday. And so all these media people and government uh, people and social service people and all, you know, there was a big like mobilization of people to help immigrants um, massing in Rehoboth, Delaware to receive people and they never came. And so now there's now, you know, there's a suggestion that DeSantis pranked Biden. He owned the libs by that, you know, punking them by not making that subsequent flight. But I think that the subsequent flight wasn't made because they realized that this was not having the the effect, the political effect that he thought it would have. It was not being seen as a positive, you know, political, uh, you know, thing for his uh, re-election or for his presidential aspirations. Uh, it, it seems not to have occurred to them that that Americans might think of these people as human beings. And it, it makes me think of the Woody Guthrie song when he says, you won't have a name when you ride the big airplane. All they will call you is be deportee. And it, it's it's this this thought was, haha, we're going to own the libs by flying these desperate men and women and children to a, a place where there's no 
one to take care of them and that will be really, really funny. And then we'll high five each other in the locker room. And, and only when, when Americans saw them as human beings did they think, oh, maybe this isn't that brilliant of an idea that we thought that it was. Let's pretend, though, that you know they were deported by the people of Martha's Vineyard and we've made our little point that they're just as terrible as we are, I guess, was the message that they were trying to send, but it, it landed flat. Yeah, it really landed flat as a political stunt. I mean, as a political, in, in terms of the politics of it, I don't think it, they, that he got the reaction uh, that he wanted. Let's take one more call on this particular topic and then we'll move on. We have Philip from Pinellas Park on the line. Philip, you're on the line. Hi. Hey, I've been listening to this station since you came on the air back in the 80s. And uh, I love WNF. Well, music. good to hear. Thanks. It's the music, though. Oh, well. I love the music. <laughs> Without the music, I would never listen to you. Well, here you are listening to a public affairs show. No, I'm not listening to your show. I'm uh, calling you. I don't listen to your shows because y'all are too left. Oh, you, you you don't you don't uh, care about the whole community. You only care about the left. The music is great. Don't never get rid of the music because you'll be out of gas. Well, uh, you know, you'll have your chance to to offer that. Um, the week of October seventh uh, is the WMNF pledge drive. So hopefully, you'll you'll have the chance to to make your your position known and and donate to the music shows. And we hope you do that. Thanks that was the for best calling. pivot ever, Shelley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, we have uh, an email here from uh, DeMarco. There are no hordes of immigrants. There is no border crisis. This is the Nazi scapegoating of refugees who are legal in the U.S. They did enter this country legally. They turned themselves into border patrol and claimed asylum. Seeking asylum is a human right, not a crime. That's from Greg. Um, and uh, we have... Uh, CP from Palmetto, who wants us to remember that it was $12,000 per passenger. Freedom Ron and the Florida GOP are once again wasting our tax dollars on silly games. That's from CP in Palmetto, Florida. And uh, same thing uh, from another email who says DeSantis bragged that he had $12 million more to spend not on education, not on actual transportation for Florida roads, $12 million to spend of taxpayer money on future political stunts. Yeah, he did brag that he had more money uh, for this yesterday in his speech. But let's move on to another, another interesting uh, legal uh, matter that's come up recently. We have an election coming up soon. So uh, let's talk about the DeSantis voter fraud arrests that uh, came up recently. We appear to have some nasty legal issues associated with the arrests of these felons who received voter registration cards from the state, uh, from the Secretary of State, in fact, Laurel Lee, who has given up that position now to run for Congress in the new uh, redistricted Congressional District 15. Um, she's now the Republican nominee for that U.S. Congress seat in District 15. If you live in that district, uh, you'll have the opportunity to vote for her or for the Democrat, Alan Cohn. Um, but these people uh, voted in the 2020 election, and now, two years later, they get arrested by DeSantis's election security police force for voting, just as the state permitted them to do. 
So let's talk about that, James. What are your thoughts on on the legality of of these arrests? Sure. So to to put it in context, you got to go back to um, I guess all the way back to 1868, where where we had the the post Reconstruction con- Constitutional Convention in Florida, and a, a compromise that was struck at the time was that um, by that at that point in time in Florida. Black residents were almost fifty percent of the population, and um, there, the deal that was struck was that there would be this provision that says that if you're convicted of a felony, you can't vote um, unless your civil rights are restored by the governor. And then we saw the next hundred years be you know cracking down on all of these felonies. So by 2016, I think the number was one out of five Black Floridians could not vote because of this provision in the Constitution. So Amendment Four was passed by the voters in 2018 that was supposed to restore the right to vote to anyone who has completed all their terms of sentence for a felony other than murder or a sex offense. Murder or a sex offense would still prohibit you from uh, voting unless your civil rights were restored by the the governor. What the legislature then did was pass SB 7066, which did a couple of things. One of them was it defined terms of sentence as all of your legal financial obligations. So any restitution that you owe, um, in the last 20 years, the legislature has invented dozens of new fees, like a fee for your prosecutor to prosecute you and money that you owe for room and board while you were in prison, all this monthly, money. Pro, monthly probation costs. Right. All the, to, to, to somebody who's gotten Anger out of prison. Anger management class fees. Uh, right. You know, and, and, and you're having a hard time getting a job because you've been in prison. So these are insurmountable legal fees that the legislature said you have to pay all of these before you can vote. The other thing that they did with a little bit less fanfare was they defi- they defined murder and sex offense in really broad ways. So anybody that's out of prison did not commit the kind of murder that leaves you in prison for life, but manslaughter or uh, injury to a pregnant woman causing the death of a fetus you wouldn't normally think of as M-U-R-D-E-R, murder, but it, they defined it that way. Uh, some of the sex offenses were like revenge porn, you know, posting the naked picture of your ex on the internet is something that can make you lose your right to vote. They called that a sex offense. You wouldn't normally maybe think of it that way or consensual sex between a psychotherapist and their patients. You know, they defined that as a, a felony that, that keeps you from voting. So these 20 people that were arrested, most of them were people who had been convicted of, of one of these offenses that was defined by SB 7066 as murder or a sex offense, but they didn't think that it was. And they were actually able to register to vote and they were actually able to get a voter registration card from their supervisor of elections and they cast their ballots and then they were arrested. And the, the legal term is uh, is chilling effect, which is a, a, a lawyer shorthand for it's unclear what you are or aren't allowed to do, but if you get it wrong, there's a really, really harsh consequence. So it's better to to not take a chance, and 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 I feel like these arrests were uh, announced with, you know, armed law enforcement behind our governor while he said this is just the opening salvo. Uh, we only started this new agency, the election police, on mm-hmm. July first. There's going to be a lot more arrests, and the message was if you're not sure whether or not you can vote. It's safer just not to vote because if you even if if you register to vote and get a card and the state of Florida says yes it's okay for you to vote you can't even rely on that you could still you know in, in the strict liability kind of way uh, end up 
being arrested by the election police. So it was a way to scare voters. And why that's significant is because these legal financial obligations that you have to pay, there's nowhere to look up how much money that you owe. There are 67 counties, each of which keeps their records, each of which purges their records after a certain amount of time. So you might owe restitution to somebody who died in 1999. And who do you pay it to? Or you might not be able to get a copy of the judgment against you that was uh, issued in Lake County in 1977. And, you know, you've got to find this document that you can't find and, and do the math on how much interest you owe and figure out who to pay it to. And it's not easy to to understand the extent of your legal ob- financial obligations. Yeah, there's no archive of this information that's maintained by the state so that the state secretary of state can check it and see if you're eligible. So they they just rely on people filling out the form where it says have you satisfied all of your, you know, criminal sentence obligations? Yes. If you check yes, then you get a voter card. But people cannot find the information to be certain that they've satisfied all. I mean, the, we're just talking about Florida convictions. This is, precludes people from voting if they've been convicted in other states, too. So, you know, think about all the people that have moved to Florida um, from elsewhere. They have to go to, I don't know, Vermont or Arizona or whatever to look up their, uh, you know, their criminal sentence and see if they completed all of the financial obligations of that sentence as well. I mean... Yeah, it wasn't the intention of the voters when we all voted for Amendment 4. We didn't think that it was going to still have all of these insurmountable procedural barriers. Credit to the League of Women Voters and to the Florida Restoration of Rights Coalition that they have volunteer lawyers who are helping people untangle that and, and identify the full extent of their legal financial obligations and pay them, but it's it's impossible Overall, to do without Overall, it's a voter help. suppression tactic. It is, because it's meant to scare people. It's meant to, to say, even even if you've managed to register to vote, even if you have that voting card, it's just safer for you not to vote, because if you get it wrong... You could make a mistake and be wrong. Right. And then the other qu- the other issue I wanted to, to mention is, you know, why isn't this entrapment? You know, if somebody applies to vote and the Secretary of State says, here's your voting card, go in good health and vote, and then they vote, why isn't that entrapment? It's, again, like we were talking about earlier, it's it just, you can tell in your marrow that this is wrong, but then trying to find the right legal term because we're, we're off of the legal map is, is challenging. Entrapment is, you know, enticing somebody to do something that they weren't otherwise inclined to do and then and then prosecuting them for it. But, uh, but there's an, some of them uh, were actually approached by the state while they were in jail. You can vote from jail. The people in jail haven't been convicted of anything yet. And so um, some of them were approached by the state and registered to vote and then prosecuted for it. The, the, the head of our election police was the supervisor of elections in Palm Beach County. Yeah, so, Pete Antonacci. Right, so, so three of these, of he's these the, people he's, he's prosecuting. He's the governor's fixer. He's always, he's put into these positions where, you know, somebody has been, that's when the supervisor of elections there was removed by the governor and they put Pete Antonacci there on a temporary basis and now he's the head of the election police. And he's prosecuting three people for voting with cards that he gave them that said that they could <laughs> vote. But the, the um, Lagaceta got it right when it said you, you can have your driver's license suspended but the state actually notifies you that your driver's license is suspended. They don't leave it up to you to realize that you, you qualify for suspension and to go turn it in voluntarily and then right. they arrest you if you don't automatically do that. There, there 
is some kind of communication from the state. Right. Let me let me take a call here from John and Lutz. John, you're on the air. Uh, hi. I just wanted to make a special thank you for all the 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 truth and the and the the law and the facts that you're putting out. It's obviously really upsetting those who want to believe a false narrative to um to forward their fascist ideas. It's just driving them nuts. So keep up the good work. And also want to remind everybody that there's going to be a big announcement by the New York Attorney General at 1130. Looking forward to what that's going to be. And I'd like to, again, encourage the station to bring Rob Lorai back so he can do more shows like you're doing. He he did a great job. And I thought you liked me, John. <laughs> and you can show your love for this show and for public affairs during the Pledge Week, uh, starting on, what, October 7th, I think. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate thank your you. comments. Uh, we have uh, DeAndre, who's driving and wants to talk about voting. DeAndre, be careful. Pull off the road. Absolutely. Thank you for taking my call. I was just finding it interesting that Someone who I do believe, and uh, uh, Andrew Warren, uh, would uh, be uh, responsible for, you know, controlling messes like, at least in Hillsborough County, um, for controlling messes like um, someone being prosecuted for voting unfairly or unnecessarily was removed from office. Yeah, well, you know, you thank you for the segue, because on uh, DeAndre, because talking about Andrew Warren's case was going to be my next uh, my next issue that I wanted to bring up, and we only have a few minutes, so thank you for that. Um, let's talk about the Andrew Warren case for a second. Uh, the uh, Andrew Warren filed to get his job back. There was a hearing on Monday of this week before Judge Hinkle in federal court in Tallahassee. He asked for his uh, job to be reinstated immediately, and instead Judge Hinkle said, no, the potential for causing too much turmoil in the prosecutor's office is uh, too high because if I put you back and then it's reversed by the appellate court, then she'll have to go back, and it's just too much risk of upheaval. So we're going to have a rapid trial, and uh, he wants to schedule that trial within 30 days. And so that's the current status of the matter uh, with Andrew Warren. But a lot of interesting legal issues have come up in that case. Um, Andrew Warren claims that his statements uh, regarding um, how he perceived the potential for prosecution of uh, women and or medical providers who uh, provided abortion access um, and uh, the possibility of laws against providing medical care for transgender patients. Um, he, he claims that his statements about those things were First Amendment protected statements. Um, and of course, the governor claims that no, he was saying he can't, he, he has decided not to, to prosecute uh, anything under those laws. Andrew Warren, of course, said we don't have laws about transgender medical care and no abortion-related laws have been brought to my office. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there. One of the issues that uh, the governor raised was, was Andrew Warren an employee uh, of the governor who could be terminated? Or as Andrew Warren claimed, he's an independent constitutional officer. He answers to the voters, not the governor. 
um, and that if the governor can just swoop in and remove independently elected constitutional officers, then what's the point of elections? And it's a danger to our democracy. So what thoughts do you have on that? Yeah, there's a couple of fascinating legal issues. What happens is in a lot of cases like this was you have two legal concepts that are on, on a head-on collision with each other and Judge Hinkle's going to have to decide which one prevails. So uh, under the Florida Constitution, Article 4, Section 7 allows anybody who can't be impeached can be suspended by the governor for malfeasance, misfeasance, neg- neglect of duty, drunkenness, personal favorite, incompetence, permanent inability to perform, or commission of a felony. So if any, if any of those conditions occur, the governor can suspend someone subject to confirmation by the Senate. It's kind of like a, a substitute impeachment procedure. There was a case years ago. It was called uh, State v. Joffin. I, th- I think that's pronounced Joffin, J-O-U-G-H-I-N. L.M. Hatton was elected. Hill Hillsborough County Sheriff in 1929, and Governor Doyle Carlton suspended him for malfeasance, misfeasance, neglect of duty, drunkenness, incompetency, and he appoints Joffin in his place. And so uh, Hatton challenged that in court, and the Florida Supreme Court held that the power to suspend somebody for those things includes the power to decide for yourself whether those things happen. This is not something that can be reviewed by a judge. Somebody who feels that he has been unfairly suspended has his remedy in a trial in front of the Senate. Um, so, So there's that one legal concept is that the, it's like an impeachment. It's not subject to judicial review. The, the governor gets to decide what is incompetence and misfeasance and malfeasance. The other point of view that, that was raised by Andrew Warren is his First Amendment claim. So he's brought uh, a claim under uh, 1983, uh, a civil rights action, saying that his First Amendment rights have been taken away. And and your, the First Amendment rights of, of a government employee are governed by what's called the, the Pickering-Connick test. The Pickering case involved a, a teacher who made the blasphemous statement in a uh, a letter to the editor that the schools were spending more money on the athletic program than the academics and was fired for that. Uh, the Supreme Court said he had the right to make that comment. The Connick was uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s father when he was the DA in New Orleans, fired somebody for um, passing out a, a flyer. So... There's another case involving Julian Bond, uh, who was uh, elected to the. Remember Julian Bond? He was a representative of the UN, I think, and he was a civil rights leader. And he was elected to the Georgia legislature in 1965. And the Georgia House of Representatives refused to allow him to take his seat after he signed on to a statement condemning the Vietnam War. And the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated him two years later and affirmed that the First Amendment protects elected officials freedom to speak out on public issues. And, uh, you know, of course, Andrew Warren is, in his case, is saying that, uh, you know, he had a First Amendment right to speak out on these public issues about, you know, passing abortion restrictive uh, laws and uh, transgender care laws. And so he's saying that his position is is about the same. Um, We're getting really short on time here. And so I wanted to just ask you, is there anything that you wanted to add about any legal issues that are coming up or that are important to you? Um, we got to be quick, but uh, give us a, 
uh, a statement if you have on, I know there's something, there's a city council hearing coming up where they're going to take up the issue of the Citizens Review Board. Uh, so tell us, li- tell our listeners really quickly what the CRB is about and what you're asking council to do. Sure. The Citizens Review Board is is a, a board of citizens that reviews um, the outcomes of disciplinary proceedings in front of the Internal Affairs Department of the Tampa Police Department. So if somebody complains about an officer misconduct, the Internal Affairs Department, it's called the Professional Standards Bureau, investigates that and then the Civilian Review Board checks their work, reviews it. Um, the City Council is going to decide tomorrow morning whether or not to um, proceed with putting a ballot referendum on the the ballot in March 2023 that would do two things that would give the civilian review board its own attorney presently it it borrows an attorney from the uh from the city but this would give it its own independent attorney and it would give it the ability to to investigate by compelling the production of of evidence and So what it. do you want citizens to do in Tampa if they want to support this referendum? You know call city council at 813-274-8131 and let them know that you you want them to place these, these measures on the ballot so the people can have the right to vote as to whether they want the CRB to have these tools or not. Okay. I want to thank you James Shaw, uh, formerly the chair of the Florida ACLU legal panel for being with us today to talk about some of these legal issues and the more notorious uh, events that are filling the news in Florida. And if you joined us late in the show, feel free to go back and listen on demand from the Midpoint archives at wmnf.org slash midpoint or on the WMNF, WMNF app or find us at WMNF Midpoint wherever you get your podcasts. I also want to thank our WMNF volunteers who make the show go, Jessica Green on the soundboard and Barbara Fling who answers the phones for us. And as always, I thank you, the WMNF listeners, for your interest and support of the station. If you enjoyed this show, please consider dropping us a tip in the tip jar and please direct your donation to MPW Midpoint Wednesday. And you can do that after October 1st in particular uh, when we're going to be having our next pledge drive. Uh, Please stay tuned for Talking Animals with Duncan Strauss up next. Um, You'll be hearing him and we are WMNF Tampa. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Stay